And it's almost weird. It wasn't until like COVID where I was like at home, like on my own schedule, walking my dog on my lunch, like waking up at 845. Yeah. Um, I was like, why am I not doing this? And I yeah. started listening to your podcast. I first listened to your episode with Natalie Chong, my friend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was like, I'm going back to the beginning. This is good. Oh my God. I love it. Thank you. Well, okay. So, I guess the question is like May 2018 uh, for your podcast, but I'm getting... Or 2019, but I'm getting close to that. Oh my God, it's amazing. My heart's full. All right, guys, I'm here today with Erica Sharp, who is a Toronto-based interior designer. Hi, Erica. Hey, how are you doing? Good. So Erica reached out to me a little while ago, just, you know, hoping we could have a little chat and just see, I I think you called it an inspirational chat so that we could kind of, you know, think about what what your future, like what, you know, the future of what your business or potential business could look like, or, you know, how do we like curious about how I started my business and what were some of the steps. And it's just kind of like putting feelers out and seeing what could be kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much potential in the design business, whether obviously you can go into so many different sectors, project management, lighting design, interior design, sales and it's just I kind of I'm interested in kind of seeing how you start in one avenue and maybe it branches off to another avenue okay so I love it tell us then tell me when did you go to school like did you go to school um and what's been your work history and current history been like like how long have you been doing this for and what's what's that look like so far so I went to Humber College and I was I think the second cohort of graduating um designers for their degree program. So that was from 2006 to 2010. Um, And kind of around that time, like 2010, there wasn't a lot of jobs. I mean, we were coming out of the recession, but there wasn't like an immediate like demand, I would say for our industry. And I found a lot of people were actually having trouble. So for four and a half years, I actually worked in um, large scale sporting event um, planning. Um, like the NHL and um, MLB and just doing their all-stars and all their, their kind of big sporting events, which was really awesome. Like I traveled North America. I had some pretty sweet clients. Um, but then there was like that moment where I was like, if I don't leave, like I'll never get back into the design industry. Um, so from there, I worked at a commercial firm for a year, did not love commercial at all. Um, and then ever since have been uh, working at in residential design. Okay. And you've been at the same firm ever since? Um, I was in two. So one that was really, I would say, strongly um, directed into design, but like large, largely decorating as well. Um, that's okay. where I learned a lot of that kind of aspect, furniture and stuff like that. And then now in an architectural firm, so more details, construction, hands-on, and then bringing the decorating after as well. Mm-hmm. And what what part do you feel like you love most right now? It's hard because like when I was at uh, my first firm, I realized, oh my God, I really miss like construction and like how things go together and and being on site and that kind of thing. Um, And we did have some of those projects, but I would say maybe 70 or 80% of them were um, finishing and that kind of thing. And then when I got to the architectural firm, like after a few months, I was like, oh my God, I miss fabrics. Like I, and that kind of thing until that started picking back up um, and myself integrating that into the company as well. So I I really think like I love an even balance. Oh, that's great. That's what's awesome too about having your own business. I actually, I have been talking about this a lot lately, but um, I did a three-day course um, last week. It was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And 
a lot of that was a, not a lot of it, but it was it was she, the coach that was taking us through it. It was a virtual training. Um, was was really talking about needing to figure out like what do you like, and sometimes we don't know, and that's fine. But just the whole point of having a business is building one that you love and get excited to wake up every day and do it, and building a business that's that you can be successful at. So that's the thing I I love about working for myself is that I just I do what I want. And if I don't want to do something, then I just don't have to have that as part of my services. Or if I don't want to project manage and be involved in construction, because to me, that feels like a liability, then I don't have to, I can just feed in. So that's what's so awesome. So you can just build it however you want. And it's amazing. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people need that too. So um, okay, so and then so you've been at that last firm for how many years? Uh, just over three years now. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, and how we won't talk about what the firm name is, but how have have they been impacted right now from what's um, going on? I we we're actually like quite steady, if not dare I say a little bit busier. I think people are at home like stuck in their houses, being like, I need to do something. Um so we have a lot of clients kind of ready to go that we just obviously can't go out and measure or visit right now. So that's going to be good for when this all is lifted. Mm -hmm. um, we did have a little bit of struggles with like permitting and, and the cities being closed for, I would say the first like six weeks. Yeah. Um, so we were kind of stuck in that planning phase and couldn't get approvals. But other than that, um, yeah, we've, we've been pretty good, which is nice. That's awesome. And so, okay. You kind of, in your, when we set this up, you had a series of like stuff you wanted to talk about. So I just want to leave it like you tell me, ask, you know, what, what do you want to chat about? What do you want to ask about? What would you like input on or thoughts, feelings, whatever, whatever. <laughs> awesome. I mean, I'll let you know, like, I think, well, first off, I actually, I do. I'm one of the few people in the world, I think, well, you too, who like love their job. And I loved my last firm. It just happened to be um, a few mat leave covers, but in a row. Um, yeah. so that the reason I left there was to, you know, be more stable and develop a program at a firm kind of, you know, make it my own sort of thing. So I kind of always knew I had it in me. Like I wanted things to be organized and like my way and executed in a certain way. Um, so yeah, like I do, I love where I am now. I love like the balance of construction and design. Um, and now I'm just like thinking, I feel like there's so many more possibilities and I have so much more knowledge um, from like my background, I guess that I'm wondering, like, is it the time or when is the time to kind of just go for it? Um, so my biggest and like everyone's biggest concern is financial, obviously. Yep. Um, and it's when, especially when you're in a comfortable position, I mean, like four or five years ago, I would have been like, Oh yeah, sure. I'll do it. Like I, I can only be going up from what I'm making now. Yeah. Um, and I'm in a pretty cushy situation right now besides my awful commute. Um, and so that's, that's, I would say like the number one, like, I don't mean to sound arrogant or anything, but I have no doubt that it, it's a good fit for me. Um, I've been told by many clients like, Oh, why, why aren't you doing this on your own? Or like, you know, do you do side jobs? That kind of thing. So that's always been, you know, good and helpful and a motivator. It's just taking that step and, and that financial, I guess, stress. Yeah. Okay. So what is your current like situation? Like, do you have a family? Do you have a husband, partner, wife? I don't know. I'm, I don't know what's going on over there. And, um, kids like mortgage, like what is your current life yeah. situation? Um, like? It probably seems pretty easy to most people. Um, no kids. 
Um, I'm with you. Me neither, man. It's the best, <laughs> especially um, right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my, I can barely entertain myself. I cannot imagine like doing yeah. crap and all that. Oh, Teaching. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Teaching. Um, yeah, I feel you. So I'm 32 and my husband is 35, um, just turned 35. <laughs> and we, yeah, no kids. We have a little dog I'm sleeping. You probably can't see a little dog on the couch. Oh, hey, buddy. So cute. to me because I'm not cuddling him right now. Yeah, oh, he's pissed. Um, so yeah, we live in a house in Waterdown actually. Um, so that's west of Toronto, um, north of Burlington. Um, a smaller community, commuter community. And we've lived here for six years. We used to live in Toronto, downtown. Um, so the house here, we have a mortgage. It's very low. Um, last summer, I unfortunately lost my grandma and um, was left a nice... Um, bit of money which I think too kind of like triggered it in me like not only did I want to do something for her but I'm like she's given me this like security blanket and like ability to maybe it, it was kind of just like the timing of it maybe maybe pushed me a little bit more yeah I have like chills yeah yeah so oh. I, I I feel like we're, we are very comfortable for sure okay well that's a good start so, like, you know, kids whatever that acronym thing was um <laughs> It's just like in my mind, like I always still am like, well, what if I don't make what I make now? Like, is my husband going to leave you? Me? <laughs> is, is he going to leave you like, realistically? Can, <laughs> can you have like a lower income and still make it work? Like, I know you can obviously crunch the numbers. Um, and I loved your one podcast, which I started to kind of work out where you said like, what, what do you need to contribute and then work backwards from there. And I think it like sitting down and figuring that out would be a really good exercise. That's a, that's exactly what I would suggest. So it's, it was a little easier for me because I lost my job. Like truth be told, I'm very bad at making decisions. So if I was forced to make this decision, like I'm not convinced I would do a very good job of making it. But when I look back on, you know, what that first year looked like, it's shocking to me how successful it was. And I think for you, I think for a designer, like having been, okay, a designer who's gone to school and, and I, I'm only going to say this based on my own, in, like my, this is like from my experiences and, and this is in me kind of communicating based on like my own insecurities and my own issues like that I struggle with. So this is not true of everyone, but in my experience, if I had left and known, you know, I had worked at a firm or two or three, and I knew what people pay and what is the right amount of hours that you can charge for this, then I feel like that in itself is so helpful to be able to make sure that you're charging the right amount and have some confidence in knowing like there are people that will pay this, you know, versus I just was always struggling with like, oh my God, is that too much to ask for? And it, never, it was never too much because it was never enough in my first year. But my first year, like, I, the, I believed in my core that I could do it. And that, so I think that was a big part of it. So I think above all else, you just have to, you have to believe that you're going to do it. And you have to like truly believe that. So that's like the first, before anything else, you have to just believe it and know that the universe is going to, give you what you need when you need it. And that there's a lot of people out there that will find you and want to work with you. So that's kind of like number one. 
-hmm. But then, you know, knowing that you have a supportive husband who I think there was an episode early on, I talked to somebody who was wondering the same thing in her, for her, her husband maybe was struggling with the idea of doing this, but you know, hopefully your husband is supportive and you can easily show him how you'll be able to contribute with, you know, you know what you can be charging, right? Because mm-hmm. you've been in a firm, whether it was the first firm or second firm. So you know what you could be charging and maybe you might not have the confidence to charge as much as them, but I suspect it's still going to be decent. And I, mm-hmm. once, once you start, you'll find it's easy to give yourself a $10 raise an hour each, you know, whenever you start to realize you can start to realize like what people will pay. And then you like, it gives you power and you go, okay, I feel confidence behind this number. You know what? That was too easy. The next time you up it, so on and so forth. But it's, it's really just as long as like for you, it sounds like you're not going to have, you know, you might have some ebbs and flows and it could be tough, but you're not going to be able to not make your mortgage payments with it, which is amazing. Um, and so I think you just, like you said, reverse, reverse engineer how you can make X number of dollars a month. And you, once you start doing that, it, it becomes very easy to see that being able to pay the bills, number one, is not going to be as hard as you think. But then what happens when you start running your own business is, oh, furniture, I can buy trade only and I can now make 40% off of that oh my God, like that's a huge amount of profit that you would not be seeing in a firm. So it starts to, you start to see just how profitable it can be. And I I was making, I was in a cushy job when I left and in my first year I made as much as I made in corporate. But I mean, I I did the work, right? Like you've got to, you just got to do it. But I mean, I can't tell you whether you can or should or shouldn't, but I think part of it is you have to take a leap of faith and it's, it's like, you never, you're never going to know that it's the right time. You just have to take a leap of faith and a business is a risk and it's either like you weigh out the pros and cons and what's the worst thing that can happen. You fail. Okay. And then you go find a job at a firm. Like the worst thing that can happen is it doesn't work, but your husband's probably not going to leave you. And if he leaves you, he's an asshole, (laughs) but you know, and you just go get a job. You have the credentials to do that if you ever needed to. So we talked about that yesterday. He, he always brings it up, which is good because it makes me feel great. Yeah. Pretty much just like a little backstory. We're interested in buying a Tesla one for the environment. I'm a pretty big hippie. I'm a vegan environmentalist and things. Okay. Um, and two, like, I really want to use the commuter lane on the highway and you have to have a green vehicle. Oh, (laughs) so it'll cut my commute in half. So that's kind of like our, actually, we were literally going to purchase it the Sunday when COVID started. So we couldn't do that. Um, I can't pick up or anything like that. So now he's like, well, do you want that car? Do you want to start a business? Cause like, it's a pretty big, oh my God, it almost feels like COVID. Uh, yeah well you'll get both you just you know we gotta figure out where to put but I feel like that was like COVID another sign from COVID saying like don't make this purchase you need to invest in yourself yeah I know it's so weird and then I'm like but wait I still want that um well you're gonna get it either way you'll get it or you get it and know that you feel confident that you'll just make the money yeah so I, I I said to him like it's not maybe it's not an immediate thing it's probably a pretty stupid idea to open it you know right now during all this too this uncertain time but I feel like it's 
a good time to kind of plan and figure out kind of the stages to get there maybe. Yeah. And yeah, again, like I said, like he was bringing it up and he was saying, um, kind of lost my train of thought. (laughs) Um, well, it started with Tesla and then, yeah, he said yesterday you were talking, I feel like you said yesterday he brought it up. Oh, he just said, yeah, exactly. He said what you said, like the worst that can happen is you going back for your job back. Um, or get and, a new job somewhere else. Exactly. And I, and it made me feel like, yeah, like even if I had to do that or, you know, um, freelance through a firm, through my firm, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, where there was maybe a came down to a part-time thing. And then I, I had an agreement where I could work on my own as long as it was maybe outside of that small client, you know, that clientele or that region. Um, so yeah, I do feel comfortable in that. I'm not going to be screwed over in the end. Yeah. You're not going to be living on the streets. Yeah. <laughs> I can sell this house. <laughs> exactly. Um, that was another thing Dave and I talked about. Cause that was, that was, well, before I lost my job, I was like, I'm going to lose my job, Dave. I'm going to lose my job, Dave. And then I did, but he's like, you know, and and that left me, I, I had such anxiety about that. And he was like, you know what? We can sell our house. If something crazy happens, we can sell our house. Like it's, there's always something that you can do. Like the next step is not bankruptcy or like living on the street and you're divorced and you know, on the street. Right. But I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's scary. The biggest thing that's going to be like, if it didn't work is your ego. (laughs) Like that's really the hardest part to recover. I would think is your ego. Just like when I got fired, but the biggest thing for me was my ego. Telling people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's your deal right now? Do you have a website? Um, nope. I have an Instagram, I have an Instagram, but it's kind of a mix. It's like vegan food, my dog and some decorating. Um, I don't really post like client jobs. That's usually on my, I run the work one, which we haven't updated since Christmas. Don't judge. <laughs> so um, are you allowed to have a, like, what's, what's, what's your firm stance on side hustle stuff? I would say I, I haven't really openly talked about it. I would say probably zero. Um, especially cause I'm not that far from my office. Like it's in Oakville. So, um, yeah. So sorry, you're saying like they're not okay if you create your own website where you could be blogging. Yeah, even if I, you're not going after clients, you're, did you sign something that says you can't? Actually, that's a good a good point about blogging because I was interested in maybe starting that a few years ago. So maybe if I took that approach um, and even was more open and just let them know that I was kind of doing it, um, that might be a good approach. They're not really the uh, internet social media thing, so. Um, I don't think it would be a problem. I've never asked. That's the only thing. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's what I feel. I don't know what contract you signed. Some, some contracts, like, I I don't know because a, I've never worked in a firm. So these are things that you got to figure out whether it's acceptable and whether, whether you sign something or not, whether it's even ethical for them to say you can't have a website, but that's, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I think that what you need to be doing right now is, putting out like your point of view, whether it be on Instagram. So what, if you're vegan mm-hmm. and you are like, doesn't need to be this, like, but maybe you become passionate about how to do like sustainable, um, vegan, like cruelty-free design so that you could be doing two things that you're really passionate about. And that could be like your point of view and that's going to attract a certain kind of person that you're probably going to want to work with. I don't know. Do you, does that, does your being vegan and any of that and, you know, being like environmentally friendly come into play for you in design? 
Um, I mean, I would say depend. Not really, because it's usually client driven, right? Like if they want to do. Um, but okay, aside from that. Yeah. What do you oh, want? Um, like, would that be something you would be passionate about? Yeah, like for sure. Like I use, like I would never use like animal skins in my own home. Um, I've definitely used hides in clients' houses, but um, I love the way they look. But um, <laughs> I would never put that in my house. I like all my shoes are vegan leather. My bed, okay. handbag, um, clothes, not so much because I don't know if you know, but vegan like t-shirts are like three hundred dollars. Um, okay. Pretty crazy. The industry, it's really expensive, um, and I don't really care about my clothes. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something I feel like the connection, especially, I don't even know if you know, but like Spring or Aldo now, they, right on their shoes, they, on the inside, they say like vegan leather, I think, cause it's like a trend right now, right? Yep. Um, so I think there's definitely the ability to kind of bring those two together and. Yeah. So, so here's what I feel, and it's kind of a, what I just recently did in the three-day course, which is, I think you should sit down and like don't worry about processes or like, what does the business look like? I think you should sit down and go, okay, what would my perfect business look like? What hours would I be open? What days would I work? What would the, my, like, what kind of projects would I be doing? Um, what style would it be? Would I be doing if like, could I be creating vegan interiors for people or sustainable or whatever? I don't know. But just like write down what you, what because you, if you're going to start a business, you might as well make it what you right. want it to be. And what you said before, which was, and this is something I'm trying to work my way through, and it's, we don't always have this luxury, but what you put out on your website and on your Instagram is going to be what attracts the type of client that you're going to get. So, you know, you're saying, you know, I do this in, in the spaces because it's client driven, but if you can attract the client of clients that are going to be what you need, then, then they're going to be wanting you to put in not hide into their home, even though maybe you get to live vicariously through them because you do like, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, but anyways, so like, I think you should start by thinking about that and then think about like, and I'm literally just talking about what I just went through like last week. And, and it was really, really impactful, but what is, what makes you different? Like what, why would somebody want to work with you? So I guess like, maybe we could talk about that for a hot minute. Like if you, and you don't have to have the answers, but like what, you know, if you had to try to say like, what makes you different, what might you try to, what might that be for you? Yeah, that's tough. Um, You put me on the spot. Um, I do know is that like every relationship I've ever gotten into client wise, um, it just feels like natural and, and casual and calm. Like, I don't feel like there's, um, like, a a help in a client relationship. Uh, we used to call, we used to call it at my old firm, we're the help <laughs> when we'd go in and like deck, do our install days and like take away the garbage. Um, but I, I really feel like I've always either made myself feel or made them feel like we're on kind of equal playing ground. Um, and kind of have like more of a friendship than just like a, a you know a working relationship mm-hmm. and but I think like yeah that's awesome for like the and if that's what you have and you probably want clients you can be like that with mm-hmm. and it, it's weird because it didn't even matter like what their social status was right they could be 
friend of a friend, like young my age, or it could have been a family or even there's a client who was actually like on her third husband and very wealthy in uh, Burlington. And like, we still talk to this day. Um, so yeah, it didn't really matter what, where they were or what they were, who they were. I just, yeah, somehow got in there and yeah, I don't know. That's great. That sounds like you're, you're able to relate and make people feel really comfortable, which is amazing. And so what I was going to say was, you know, really trying to reflect on all this for yourself before coming up with a business plan, which truth be told, it is not like the advice I'm giving you. I did not really put together a business plan, but I think you, a business plan, look, and I'm going to say disclaimer, I'm not a business coach. I'm not saying this is what you should or shouldn't do. These are just my, my experience on what happened or what, what worked for me. And I think like what's tough is sometimes we over plan and then I think people just need to start putting themselves out there somehow. And whatever you're putting out there, as long as you're being real with your aesthetic. So don't put, you know, do start a, on your Instagram, either start converting your Instagram to be more interiors focused with a little bit of vegan. Cause I think that's important. Somebody, you probably want to be able to relate to somebody on that. Somebody who values that maybe you do, maybe you don't, I don't know. But, um, but start making your Instagram more. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a passion for you. There's, you're not saying you're taking clients, but people potentially will start just being attracted to that or start, start a business, um, Instagram, which doesn't mean you have to be creating. It does not mean you have to be accepting clients, but create a secondary Instagram that is business, like that you'll then focus completely on interiors whether it's you're posting your favorite vegan chair, again, whatever is right for you, posting all the things that you find inspirational, posting your own house, posting projects that you're allowed to post, whatever that is, posting like your philosophies on design, whatever. The best thing for you to do right now is get an audience because if you have an audience, which is a hard thing to build, Mm -hmm. um, it's easier to get clients when the time comes right? So start a website, which is not your business website. It's your blog. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's your blog. You could, if you feel good with video, you could start making videos on Instagram, on YouTube, like whatever, again, feels good in alignment for you. Like it's not about making yourself do a bunch of shit you hate doing because now you're just making a business you hate. But if you like blogging, whether it's typing or doing video, at the end of the day, it's just start doing, which whether it's like, putting out your point of view so that you can, by the time you're ready, you feel like you have figured it out because even like you can't, you don't know until you just start doing and then you go, Oh, like I thought I'd be like into talking about this, but I'm not really into that. And all of a sudden you start to learn more about yourself and there's like an evolution of what the content you put out and nobody's even going to see it for a while because it takes a while for it to gain traction. So the best thing you can do is, start putting shit out there so that it can start to gain traction for the time that you're ready to go. Maybe there's already people going to your website, maybe start an email list, something that on your website, there's nothing wrong with you saying like, Hey, do you want to get my um, updates? It's not you trying to get clients. It's just anybody who goes to your website. Are you like, yeah, like it's like a newsletter. It could be like a quarterly newsletter of like trends. Yeah. Does this like freak you out? Are you into technology? Does that like, are you down? 
already and I have done it for like both firms. I okay. So that's amazing. And, yeah. and I mean, the tools out there now are super easy, but like Instagram, make a blog, collect emails. Okay. Because, and consistently talk to the people in your email. However, you, like once a month, consistency is whatever you tell them you're going to do. That's what you do. But then, you know, you start to get people in your email. And if you feel weird sending out an email, cause you don't want to send out an email, but you, like, just get some friends and family on there. That's what I did when I started. I was like, Hey, you know, I want to start being consistent with an email. Like, do you want to join in just the people who you're comfortable with? Cause that's another thing. Sometimes that's like, that was hard for me to be like, Hey, I started a business friends and family. Don't judge me. Cause that was my own shit. <laughs> But so that's what I, I think it's about figuring out your voice, your point of view and what, what it is that you would want as a business. And what I think is going to organically happen is somebody at some point in time is going to say, Hey, you're going to start to get more than one person saying like, do you, do you do work for whatever? And you're going to start to realize, Oh, okay, maybe this is something I can start doing and it will just kind of present itself. This podcast is supported by Ultralux Linens. And guess what, guys? I got my new living room drapes and of course it was Ultralux Linens that made them and they're absolute pure perfection. So I have never owned real drapes before. No, I've owned real drapes. I haven't owned custom drapes before. And so I really feel like I've made it. And I love them because they don't flare on the bottom, which is a huge pet peeve of mine. I don't like a really bulky drape. And so when they arrived, they were perfectly accordion folded. Don't think that's the technical term for it, but they were perfect. And they went in and it's like it transformed my living room. They are made perfectly. The pleat is perfect. I'm, the length was perfect. Everything was amazing. And I've got more drapes coming in. It's like, they're coming. They're coming fast and furious. I've got my bedroom and I've got my music nook and dining room next. So I'll keep you posted. But guys, they carry over 75 different fabric brands. And the great thing is it's all under one roof. You're going to get the exact same designer pricing you'd get if you went to all of these brands direct. You can tell them about new brands you're interested in if in case they don't happen to have them. And she will absolutely try to get those for you. They have towels. You can pick the colors that you want. They have bed linens. You can get custom duvet covers made. Again, just pick any old fabric you want. Get exactly what you need. Bingo, bango. You are done. And there's so much more. They carry so many different things. It's incredible. If you are not already following them on Instagram, go to Ultralux Linens. Follow them. Let's give them a little love. Also go to ultraluxlinens.com. And if you are in the GTA and you are at the Toronto International Design Center, they are suite 202 on the second floor. So go check them out, guys. They're amazing. Also, kind of like going off that, there's two avenues. One is, so when you when you do this, like I would totally want to keep it separate because there's actually this local designer who I actually absolutely admire her work. But she puts like her family and kids on her Instagram and then like every time I'm like skip, skip, skip. Like yeah. I hate that. So I for sure would want to keep it separate. What how do you feel like I guess you could always change your kind of brand once it became or if it became a business, but yep. what like okay, so when I got out of school, I we had to make like a fake company business card kind of thing for our thesis presentation. So I always had this like little kind of business ish that didn't 
it was family and friends kind of thing, whether they got charged or not was studio E. Um, I don't know if that's like the name I want to use. I kind of always go back to it, but I always think maybe there's something more creative, like how, what would you start the Instagram name as, or like how can you always change it later or you can totally that- change it. Okay. So with your name, you're not launching a business tomorrow. I think that you should not worry too hard about the name because in my experience, it's a lot of wasted effort and don't let a name be what stops you. Just studio E make that your Instagram if that's what it is and put your name on there or like put your name in the bio somewhere or make it your name. It could just be also your name again. If even if it's like a, the business side or if, you know, I I do think your name should be on there. Even if it depends on if like, if you want it to be a little more anonymous than that, but I don't think it should be. I think it should just be like, it should just be your musings. And for now, just throw a name up there. And then all of a sudden you're going to one day, something's going to be abundantly clear that this was the name and you just change it. Like you have a website blog, guess what? Change it in a year. If you, you can change it, you can redirect an old website URL to a new one. So if there's, you know, Google has like a history of your old, like if it becomes a huge blog that so many people are visiting, then it can be redirected. But for now, I think it's just about starting. And lose your followers or anything like when you change your handle no so on instagram like you can just change your name anytime you want really the only thing that's annoying well that's not true they might they might only allow so many changes but the only thing that's annoying with changing your name on instagram is if people have tagged you or linked you or you've been linked online somewhere it messes all of that up so it might be good to i think that the safest bet is to make it your name and then if you have a business name later, you could put that in the bio or something. But I just feel like a name, because you're not going to get the name right, no matter what. I feel like you're going to come up with a name now. Yeah. You're you're going to come up with a name now. And then in a year from now, you're going to wish you had a different name anyway. So you might as well just let the process of, I feel like your Instagram and your blog is the process of you getting to know yourself and like what is inspiring to you. And then through that process, I think it would come to you. Mm -hmm. So it's like, don't let anything like a name stop you from starting that process. Yeah, no, that that makes me feel more comfortable because it's like you're just learning yourself, your audience and getting out there. But it's not in a way that's like I'm perfectly branded and I'm ready to go kind of thing. And I I really feel like that's a – I believe wholeheartedly that's a – from I think now a lot of people have different philosophy of this, but I think that that would not be time well spent um, because I don't think you probably know exactly what it is you're gonna. I think you put out what what you feel and what's inspiring to you, and what sometimes happen is the people that start to follow you might be like help you identify what that is for you or whatever but whatever you do to brand now like at the end of the day whatever you do right now you're going to be embarrassed of it in a year so don't make a big old logo and don't do any of that or I mean do something you can do something cute from Canva for your website or whatever like with your name or whatever you want to call it your musings you could also when you actually launch your let's say you start a blog now and you called it musings I don't know 
musings. Um, and then you launched a business in a year formally, you could have a website that within the website, you have a blog that's still called musings. That's right. still when you click it actually takes them to the musings. So you don't lose any of that like yeah. SEO stuff. And you could also use that blog to direct them back into like the other website. So it's not, it's not yeah, like together. They're not the same, but they're like, yeah, Exactly. And also you can just change your website, rebrand your website, um, tell everybody, but keep the original URL that you're not using anymore. And it all gets redirected to the newest brand. So yeah. Yeah. That's my hot take for, you know, I just, I wasted so much time thinking about a name. And I mean, you want to think about like too, for you, like I just decided I wanted, I was like, you know what? A lot of the designers that I admire and like, I love are branded their own name. And, and, and that's, I've obviously thought about that. I'm such a, like a straight name that it's, it sucks. There's no syllables to it. Um, so I would totally do that if it, if it was a nice name, <laughs> but. Um, I like your name. Oh, the new name, the, like my married name is just so boring. Well, my Erica old Sharp? Yeah. Like it, I don't like, I like Chloe like more than a couple syllables. So. Oh, right. But, and um, well, one thing to consider that people do say is, you know, it depends on what your goals are. So a lot of people say that you shouldn't, you shouldn't um, create a business that you're the brand because, you know, what if you build a huge business that you're then going to want to sell? Like, an, and you have an exit strategy where I've created this empire and now I want to sell it. Well, they don't want to buy Michelle Bennett. They want to buy the business. So I'm not, I, I mean... At the time, I was like, that's not a thing I ever want to do. And I'm not like, I don't feel that passionately about that being a thing. Um, but if that's something that you're like, I'm trying to build, like that's a consideration for like right. how to name your business as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing, well, there's a couple things, a couple more items that I've got lots of time. <laughs> so um, kind of going back to what I mentioned before. So I've been now in the industry, like working full time 10 years. Um, and I, I do know, and I even brought to this firm now, like all of the trade accounts and all of those relationships. Um, and I have obviously, um, contractors and suppliers for, you know, construction. And so with those kind of accounts, like that's what makes me feel comfortable is I see, I can see like the earning potential. Um, that's one thing that's actually frustrating me now is like, there's so much left on the table. Um, in the dynamic at our firm now and it's just like driving me crazy because I know from my previous firm like exactly the earning potentials and you know what what the benefits are for working with trade accounts and marking it up and all that kind of stuff um so is there like do you think it would be suitable to and maybe obviously not necessarily the, the furniture accounts but maybe like the kitchen manufacturers or the countertops or the tile reps and like going to them and kind of you know, making a relationship and a case with them saying, you know, I'm thinking of doing this when I, when, and if I do do it, um, like, do you mind kind of sharing, sharing that I'm, you know, with any of your clients that might be interested, that kind of thing, like, or would you feel like you shouldn't use any of your, your contacts that you've made? Okay. So this one's a tough one for me to answer. Um, as far as like, cause I've never been in that experience. Um, I, I think it, it, comes down to your contract. Um, like, 
it comes down to your, a few things in, in my opinion, your contract, um, what feels good to you, like listen to your intuition and like, if something doesn't feel ethical, whether it's ethical or not, like if it doesn't feel good for you, then maybe it's not right. Like okay. you basically, I think, you know, you move forward when, if you, if it feels good, as long as you know, you're not bre- like, even if it feels good, but you are going against a signed contract saying you will not do X, Y, Z, then I don't think that's a problem necessarily. Um, I think with like furniture trading, I mean, no firm can say you can't do that because I will say like no, um, like furniture places, like they're not going to send clients to you necessarily anyways. Well, that's not true. Maybe they would, but they're working with a million designers. So like, that's probably, yeah, yeah, but your kitchen company, that's where, um, I don't know. I think, I don't, I think you I don't know. I, I don't like, know. I brought these companies to this firm, right? Like you, you did? Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. I just, and I yeah, I feel like that's like you have every right to, okay. to do that. I think. Yeah. In that situation, I, I think so 100%. And I don't see why. Now, what you can't be doing is reaching out to clients that you got through the firm saying, I'm going on my own, come with me. That was my next question. Like how far, like even if they're like five years ago or from the old firm or like ones that I've kept in touch with, like how does that work? Or is it not a natural occurrence? Like you said, like maybe they start following you on your Instagram. Yes. If you feel comfortable reaching out to if you. They come to you. Okay. Again, this is, I like at the end of the day, I I would approach it in the way I do things is like, what can I, go to bed and sleep and feel good about. I personally, that's other people might say completely different things, but I personally couldn't go to bed at night um, saying that I re- like knowing that I reached out to a client that I got through a firm who, you know, did the work to either get a referral, paid marketing funds to get in, um, you know, whatever that looks like. I wouldn't, no matter how old they are, no matter how amazing my relationship was with them, if you brought the client to the firm, that's potentially a different story. But when you start doing this stuff, like you said, a client might find you organically. Um, and then when they reach out to you, I think that's completely acceptable because it's up to them to decide to say, it's up to that firm to make sure they're keeping their clients. So if a client says, I want to go to you because I loved you about the firm, then I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Okay. Um, the next kind of thing I'm interested if you have any advice on is, and I know at first you weren't like technical, but I, I'm not at 2020 uh, um, podcast yet. So I'm not sure if you've evolved uh, in your business, but um, for programs and kind of startup, like obviously I use a lot of um, programs right now yeah. um, that I'd want to continue using and invest in. Like, did you do you take out a loan? Do you try to get like pirated versions? Cause I kind of did a quick calculation and all the programs I wanted, I, plus a pretty decent uh, Mac um, that I built comes to like $10,000. So even in like a small business type thing, would you take out a loan to get the equipment you want or would you just start with what you have? That kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I ended up, I had to get a new laptop cause I needed it. Um, you can look up, like I, I was given the advice, like you can look for small business loan stuff. Like I looked, but I wasn't successful in finding like whatever that could look like. I mean, 
I think that what, what other software, like what are all the softwares that you would want to be working with? Um, so like the Adobe Creative Suite, so InDesign, Illustrator, totally. which I have now on like my home laptop, but it's, that laptop is literally from college and yeah. it's um, PC and I use Mac now, everything. Yeah. Um, and so that, um, so SketchUp and then Podium, which is like a lighting, realistic lighting rendering program within SketchUp, like an add-on. Oh, okay. Um, which is really awesome. And that's actually really cheap. I think it's like 300 bucks. Um, but the full SketchUp, um, thing. And then I'm toying back and toying back and forth because, um, I use AutoCAD obviously in school and in my uh, first firm, but in my event planning and in this firm, because we were both Mac based, we use Vectorworks. So it's actually like a program that's really, I, at first I hated it. And now I'm like, I love it because what it does is it's actually, because it's, it was originally Mac based back when AutoCAD wasn't available for Mac. They've really like integrated um, like visual, the visual and like, um, I don't know how else to call it. Like, um, graphics, I would say graphics okay. with like, the technical drawings. So you can make like just easier to do fills and patterns and textures and hatches. And it's just a really, and, um, they're kind of symbols and pre-made stuff and you can pop it up pretty quick. So yeah, vector works. And uh, how you didn't like it at first. Was it just cause it's like different and it's hard to like readjust to different. Did you, find my, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. What'd you say? in my mind like on my first for the event planning I was like why aren't you guys using AutoCAD like it's industry standard and you know I'm pushing everything I learned for the past four years and at that time I don't even know if Mac maybe what well, didn't have AutoCAD then but um then again when I started at this firm they're like do you know Vectorworks I'm like unfortunately yes because <laughs> I had the experience and I'm like but I hate it and then literally I would say I think the second day I was there I was like crying I was like I'm not as fast as I am at AutoCAD and I felt like bad on my own and then within a month, I was like, I don't think I could ever go back to AutoCAD. Like, it's so weird. Because it's easier or because it's just, why? It's more, it's more like versatile. And I really like how you can implement like the graphic element. Um, so think of like AutoCAD and Photoshop like together kind of. Um, mm. So like. It's its own 3D part, which uh, I would be interested in learning so I could use it all in one program. But right now I just use SketchUp. Okay, Sorry. You use what do you use SketchUp for versus VectorWorks? Um, 3D rendering. Sorry, which like, one is 3D rendering? Sketch. Uh, SketchUp. So I don't use like uh, I know you had a podcast with the girl, uh, the po uh, the SketchUp teacher girl. I don't use like the layout. I don't use it for like technical drawings, just for 3D modeling and like walkthroughs. Um, and, and, and then and then VectorWorks is used for 2D 2D drafting. So construction drawings, elevations, like full on details for kitchens, like that kind of thing. And then they never, they never integrate though. You can, like you can export Vectorworks to um, CAD and then you can import that to SketchUp. Like they're all interconnected. Um, sometimes I'll like, if I, if I do a really detailed 3D model, like down to the exact cabinet hardware on my kitchen and the bevels on the doors, I'll, you can, I'll flatten that in um, SketchUp you can have a perfectly flat TV drawing and I'll export that to CAD and then put it into to Vectorworks. So then I don't have to redraw the elevation. Um, but typically I'm drawing the elevation first and then doing the 3d. Um, but they're, they're really, they're actually really well interconnected, I think. Okay. Uh, okay. Question. Now you're mm -hmm. going to help me. <laughs> 
So why couldn't you just try to do all of that in, in SketchUp, no? I mean, you can. Okay, you can. I just haven't like really explored the options of like creating like a title block and symbols in your own dimension style and that. Like, I don't know how professional the SketchUp layout looks. I've never done it. I've never, I've always just kind of exported it on my own and had, you know, our own title blocks and whatnot. I know you can, I know the layout program is there. Um, okay. Yeah. So how much did you, well, how much is Vectorworks? I think it's like $4,500 for like, not a year, but if you want to do the flat. Oh, like for, forever, like it's mine yeah, forever kind of thing? Maybe pay for updates later on. I'm not sure. And okay. Vectorworks, you can't do 3D though, you're saying, but you no, can. You can. Oh, you can. Yeah, that's a good thing. It's it's a lot more comprehensive, obviously, than SketchUp, but it's actually really cool because as you're drawing in 2D, there's like a whole properties panel, and in there you can get anything like a depth or a height, and then you just hit a button and it like pops up. So I'd be curious to also diving into that a little bit more too. Um, and they have like a robust yeah. furniture library. Um, they don't have that. That's what. You, so you have to kind of draw everything by hand. So it's kind of like. AutoCAD 3D. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's so, over my head. I don't do any of these programs. I don't yeah, do any I of it. Just because it's quick and easy and like to show someone a concept, I can whip up a whole room in like a half an hour or less, like um, with all the textures and like photo reel rendering. And like, I just find it. Wow. I'm quick at it and it's, I like it. Sometimes I don't care that they ever cross paths. Like I like to keep my construction drawings there and that more is just like concept um vector construction drawings sketch up for you anyway is uh conceptual conceptual okay um did you learn sketch up in school or you learned it after we I, we learned it like we self-taught there was never a program for it so i think our last year like thesis so we taught ourselves so that we could put it in our like thesis project oh, okay same with everything like photoshop self-taught everything yeah okay got it okay so um what should you spend money on and whatever? Okay, so for me, I didn't have any of these programs because I, I still don't use these programs now. Like I use like other things that are offshoots that just work for me because I don't do a lot of construction. Right. So I would say like you want, I mean, a laptop's a thing you need. Um, mm -hmm. As far, like I think that maybe for you right now, if you have a cushy job, maybe your, your goal should be putting like every time you get paid, a percentage of it goes into the, my business fund yeah. and, you know, just start $10,000 probably won't take that long to get you there. Like if you just kind of, you know, maybe I'm not going to buy X, Y, Z. And it, right now because of COVID, I feel like expenses are low. Like, what are we doing? If you're still working like any other day, you're still employed. Yeah. Maybe now's a really good time to be putting that money that you're not spending on whatever else. Yeah. And just you. put it into like a little, get to 10,000 so you can feel good about spending money on the software. Like, I don't think I'm not going to like, can you find a way to get programs another way? I'm not going to say yes or no to that. Maybe that's what you do to start. Not saying you should do that. But like, you know, but then when you start to, you know, 
knowing that, okay, I'm, this is a thing. And now I, I fully invest, go all in kind of thing. I think that those things like for me, Photoshop, creative suite, creative cloud, like that, there, that was like a non-negotiable. Like I use it every day. I use yeah, it every I, day. Like my resume and even like my fake invoices to family and friends that was done in like illustrator. <laughs> totally. Okay. Speaking of invoices, if you ever need to make an invoice again, go find it's wave.com. It's free and it's amazing. I was starting to make my own invoices early on. And like you run the risk of if you, in, like, if you give name, if you number your invoices, oh shoot, I forgot to change the date and the number wave is totally free. I don't use it anymore, but it, I used it for like a year. So easy. It's amazing. You can even collect money. I mean, you have to pay like a percentage if you want to use credit card, like and have clients pay with credit card, but, um, but don't even worry about that. So easy, free, amazing. Um, and then I think for you, I do think what you should look into is email software that like MailChimp is really affordable. Um, like you want a, a website. So Squarespace, whatever platform you feel comfortable with, find, find a template that's affordable and just fill it, like fill it, start making a template. Like I buy really nice templates um, and you don't even need to, you can get free stuff for now. Like for now, you, I, when I started stuff like this, I, it's like, I'm like, I can't spend money on certain things. Like, can I make a free website to start or really cheap or, and maybe it hurts my heart that it's not as beautiful as I would like. Yeah. But it's like, I have to prove to myself that I am updating this website monthly, that I'm doing the blogging, that I'm serious about this before I'm like allowed to spend that money on something that I, I could just go like $10 template or whatever it looks like, or, you know, whatever you do. So that's kind of how I would approach that. You know, I think you should be collecting emails. So I think you should just go like MailChimp or uh, get response, like try to see what feels right for you. And the key is creating a free tool that attracts the type of client you want. So don't make it super DIY. This is, I think, a lot of things that people get wrong is that if you don't want a DIY type client, don't give them something free that's going to be DIY styles. Like give it something, make it make sense. Like vegan design, I feel like that is something that could attract a really good client. Like here's, here's 10 ways that you can get integrate vegan design into your home. I feel like MailChimp is free for um, like less than a hundred uh, subscribers. I forget. I mean, it's been a long time since I've looked at MailChimp. I'm just going to go quickly look right now because I'm now I'm curious. I feel like MailChimp might be like free for like less than a hundred. Let's see what they're saying. Free. Yeah. Do that. Free. You get, just go sign up for free MailChimp. Now you haven't invested any money. Then when you need to upgrade because you've outgrown it, then that's when you do it. So it says like it's coming from MailChimp, like on behalf of Erica Sharp or something like that? No. So what you do is you're going to set it up and you're going to have like your own email. Like it can be like, whatever, um, you're going to tell it what it's going to say. So it'll say, you're going to tell MailChimp, like, I want this to say Erica Sharp, or maybe you want it to say your blog name or whatever. So it's going to show, um, it's going to come from like, it might even show, you can tell it too, but the free account might not allow you to do this, but most providers too, you can say, you can insert like a reply to email. So even though it's going out from MailChimp, you can, if somebody replies to what you send, you can tell it to reply to the email that is you so that you get any replies kind of thing. So 
that's something you can go totally test. And then if you have two emails, you can even test it for yourself so you can see what they're going to see. Like just make a fake Gmail account, add yourself to the thing, send out a couple tests and, and then you can see what it looks like, but um, it's free. So yeah. yeah. And it's pretty easy to set up too. So and then like what, at what point of your business did you switch to like, I know you've gone through them all, but like the Ivy and my Doma and like I, we used to use, we started to use design docs on my old firm yep. and the boss just like hated it. Cause she's a little older and she really looks kind of stuck in her ways of like yep. in Excel and whatnot. So we, and I, I saw it and I used it for a few weeks, but I never really got the full experience. But like when, when do you transition to like using something like that? So or I think. What's that? Okay. Yeah. So what I think you do is when you're starting, you do everything that you can't, like if you're trying to keep, you don't want to just be throwing money away. Right. So you want to be investing, only investing in something like you, like if you have one client and you need to take care of purchasing, you could in theory manually do that and not use a tool. You don't need to pay an Ivy, for example, is not like, it's, it's like a hundred and some odd dollars a month, I think with after exchange, like you don't need to pay a hundred dollars a month if you're only working on one project, or maybe you do. It depends. Like you want to understand like the return, how much money am I making off of this client? Like for me, the way I figure what is money well spent is okay. A hundred dollars a month makes my job of what might take four hours, take one hour. That's money well spent. It's $100 is one client can pay for that. So if you have one client a month and half of the what, like if you're spending hours dealing with purchasing because you're purchasing $100,000 worth of furniture, I think it's worth getting Ivy for that or whatever software you want for that. But it's it's just got to make sense. Like, you invest in software or tools that make your job easier or allow you to um, make more money or allow you to give it to somebody else or whatever. So I like I just invested in Basecamp, which is like a project, like it's how to either work internally with your team or work with clients on a like, it's almost like an intranet and it's not cheap. It's like a hundred and some odd dollars a month. But to me, it makes my life so much easier. It means that I can put easily accessible tools. I don't have to have clients going, Hey, can you resend me the paint schedule? Hey, and cause with that it just drives me nuts. So it's mm-hmm. like you invest in things that will improve pain points either for you. And if they're not pain points right now, don't invest in them right now. That's my thoughts and feelings on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's good too, because like, I don't know for, I don't even know the full extent of Ivy, but like maybe instead of hiring an office manager, you invest in Ivy or something like that. Right. Like you might not need, you might need help, but like maybe another way to get help without paying someone $50,000 a year to to do that. Totally. And like, you know, you start doing things, you're like, Oh, I'm making mistakes. Like I I thought I could do this manually because I wanted to save myself a hundred bucks. Like some people do all of their POs manually, which is like, mind-blowing to me but for them it works and that's how their brain works and they like it and they it's not a pain point but if you start catching yourself like mm-hmm. you know an example I'm gonna make my own invoices well now I put the wrong date on that invoice or the wrong I didn't change the number I was trying to number my invoices like that's not good so 
invest in ways, things that help you not make mistakes and just make your life easier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like sometimes one might happen before the other, like, oh shoot, I made a mistake. I, I think I need to invest now. Yeah, one time I was like the address the same. So it was like the right name, like so and so residence, and then I had like the old address, and I was like, Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and then like what? Um, what? Like, do you right away have to get like a business license and like pay taxes on that? Obviously, I know there's a certain amount you don't have to pay taxes on, or do you accept cash and just kind of do it like under the table for a while until you're racking in the dough, or like (laughs) what? How does that work? So. I, I think this is, I, I feel like for you, like you're not, mm-hmm. you're not, this is not a hobby. Like you're already, you're an interior designer. You've been doing it for 10 years. And I think that if you're doing this, I think that you should approach it like to be taken seriously. And I think it's just a mindset thing. It's, it's, I, you work with people who want to pay you and see you as a legitimate business. Under the table, I feel like it mm-hmm. can lessen, you know. The credibility. Yeah. Exactly. I, you could, and then thing with like HST. So you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, you, you might make more and have to pay like a certain amount of tax on it, or you might not. But when you do make a certain threshold, I can't remember what it is, you do have to start charging HST. You, you can make the decision to charge HST from go because it's a decision you have to make. Like number one, if you don't charge HST clients, maybe not everybody knows this, but people probably the type of client we're going to be working with because it's a luxury business. They know that you are making less than X number of dollars a year. So could that like give, make a, give a perception of something like it just, this is not a right or a wrong. It's just, these are like the things that you want to think about and, and how you want to approach it. If you start selling furniture. So as soon as you decide you're buying furniture wholesale, you have to, you have to do HST. Yeah. What's the HST? Like you can click it on like Sunpan and stuff. It's like HST credit credit or what is that thing that you're, some people ask if you have or need or want. Okay, that could be the type depending on the type of business. The resale. Yes, it's your it's your HST. So, if as soon as you sign up for a trade account like yourself, they're going to ask for either it's an American company. They're going to call it a reseller's like um, number or whatever. It's your HST uh, certificate because when you're reselling, you have to charge HST. So as soon as you decide you're going to sell furniture, and for the people listening. This is, this is in Ontario. This is like Canada. This is how like every province is different. And I'm sure that, I mean, to some degree, it's all similar. You have to, you have to have a reseller's license, but I just won't cover my bases here. But um, so like, even if, as as soon as you decide you want to set up those accounts, you're not going to be able to set up those accounts with it in HSE. So you have to make a decision like, am I doing furniture or not? Which Yes. <laughs> you're going to want, <laughs> which means you're going to have to um, immediately, the first thing you're going to need to do is, is get a business license, which you can decide on if you want to be sole proprietor or if you want to be incorporated or whatever. I'm not the right person to give like the full spiel on this. I think that decision is something you want to talk about with somebody who knows what they're doing. Right. And that's not me. <laughs> but um, what I was going to say is as soon as you decide to sell furniture and you want, you get an HST number, then that means you're charging HST across the board, like on your services on everything. 
And business license and HST are two different things. Yeah. It also just feels kind of more to me like official. Like yeah, yeah. It's like a perception it. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. So it's um, kind of like if you if you if if you get an HST number, it doesn't matter if you don't meet that minimum, like you've got to pay it anyway. Because you charged it, so you can't just keep that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then in the beginning, especially, I mean, for me, I know like I know a range of what people charge, right? Just being at, at a few different firms, but like how did you know how much to charge? So when I do like a friend of a friend, I tell them, which is like so low, and everyone says this on your podcast, but I know what, but I'm kind of doing it again because it's like a friend of a friend or a family member under the table. So I charge like 50 an hour. Um, and it kind of hurts me because I'm super fast at like a lot of the technical stuff. But again, it's just for, I say fun yeah. <laughs> uh, when it's a friend of the family. Uh, that being said, like when I left my first place, uh, well, the decorate, the design place, I, I know I was getting billed out at like 175 and that was, oh, I was dang. and that's what they're billing you out. So, all right. They, okay. no, no, yeah, yeah. they billed me out at like, oh yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> and that was just for intermediate. And then now my place now brace yourself <laughs> is a hundred. So it's like, I know the range and I know that right now it's definitely low. So then with all those numbers, like how do I find where I could be competitive? Like, if I said 50, I could get like the clients that we don't want. Right. Um, if I say 300, they're like, well, you just started your company, even though you have 10 years experience, maybe that's not like worthy. So how do you like get a number that you feel strong where you're going to get clients that will pay, but you're not going to get Ikea in. Yeah. So first of all, this is, I don't have the, like I started at 50 because I didn't know a damn thing. Um, I also don't work with friends or family anymore because I, it's not good for my mental health. Like I'm not good at separating and I, I, I walk away from projects always feeling like the client's never happy. Like I know they are like deep down in my core, but it's like, if somebody doesn't respond in a way that I feel is the right response, like I spiral. So I just, for me, I can't have that between me and a friend because then I don't want to go see you. I don't want to go to your house. Cause I feel like the whole time I'm going like, they're not happy. They're not happy. Okay. So I got some issues to deal with, but so I just, I personally made a decision not to work with friends or family. So that, you know, you can decide like what that looks like for you and whatever feels good at the end of the day for pricing. Um, I think, I think you got to, you have 10 years experience. So I think you should be, I think you should be at least starting at a hundred, at least. I think you have to figure out, I think that's like the bare minimum. Like, I think you should be way higher than that. Um, but clients aren't going to say like, you don't need to blast all over your website that you just started your business. You don't have to lie, Hmm. but you don't, like for me, when I started my business, I was never going to lie, but I also didn't blast everywhere that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Act as if, and be ready to answer. But like, instead of saying like, oh, how long have you been in business? You can like, you, you get ready to answer it in, oh, you know what? I, I launched my business uh, this year, but I've been doing this for 10 years. I've worked for three, you know, like you, and that's you're not even gonna like, they're not even going to ask you that, honestly. I don't think that people are going to think that. 
Um, you're going to be able, you need to come up with a number. I think the way that it needs to, I, I think that the best, and you're going to hear different things from different people. Like one person's going to say, you shouldn't charge less than this, but I'm going to approach this the same way that like the new coach I'm kind of working with now. It's everything you do in your business has to feel in alignment with you because if it doesn't feel in alignment with you, you cannot stand in front of a client and confidently say that number. You're never going to get that client anyways. So whatever that number is for you, like you need to make sure that it's like that, like a number that you value. But if you do say, if it's too low, you're going to realize that quickly. And then you're going to, you're going to get that curve. Like when you start saying like every single client saying yes to me, guess what? They're not very good clients. Okay. I'm going to up it. And then you're going to, you're going to start to gain the confidence to keep upping it. So even if you don't start like where you feel like you should be, you're going to get there anyways. But I think that you need to feel good in the number that you're quoting. Mm -hmm. Also, I feel like if you're fast mm -hmm. and you have an idea on what things take for you, and you could say, I could do a living room in this long or a kitchen in this long, then I think you'd be pretty good to be doing flat fees. Mm -hmm. Because if you're really fast at something, it's not fair that you... Yeah, I paid a thousand dollars to do a kitchen design. Yeah. It's not that it's not fair. It's um, you're giving them way more value than that. Yeah, for sure. So you could approach it um, more of like a flat fee, and if and and maybe you get it wrong the first few times, but you track your hours and and you know kind of go from there. But you, you kind of have to just think about the time things take, and if you know what people what what is billed like you know you have experience from firms that can tell you and gut check you as to like this is fast or this is too long like I, I take too long or whatever so you can go okay like it would take me this time but I know that the value is this so you just kind of have to sit down and look at that and and then go I feel like I could stand in front of a client and confidently say this number and get it and at the end of the day as long as you deliver it with confidence it'll be fine. Okay. And you might, and just because somebody says no, does not mean it's not the right number. Mm -hmm. It could be the wrong number, but it also, because it's like what the market will bear, but it also could be that wasn't the right client or you didn't do the best job of, of communicating your value, which is really hard for me. And I'm working on that. There's so many like pieces of the puzzle that it's not always about price when like, it's not about changing your price. It's about trying to go, okay, could I have done a better job of articulating the value of that? And maybe that's what it was. I'm going to try it again at this price, but I'm going to try to do a better job of articulating why I'm worth that. And then, you know, yeah, nice. I got it wrong. I still get it wrong. Yeah. It's going to be the hardest part. Yeah. And I think too, toying with, like hourly versus flat rate. That's like a question everyone has. But I also think like, it depends. Like if someone's willing to come to you and say, Hey, I have $5,000. Like what can you do? Or how much, you know, how many rooms can you touch or how many for your fees? Not for the whole, but yeah, yeah, totally. I'm with you. Oh, $5,000. <laughs> um, so then it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm actually willing, you know, this might be good for my portfolio. I'm willing to take a flat fee job, but then like the next one, it's a, a new build. And you're like, no, like it, I'm going to yeah. want hourly. You know what it takes. And like clients, I, I, I've talked about this before too. It's like, you're going to get clients. Well, and you might not. I think it's, it depends on 
sometimes I think it, it can be a big mindset thing that like you, you just by thinking something, you attract it. Like, whereas there are certain things that, that, that I get hung up on and I talk, I'm like, but don't you get clients who go like, well, how much is the furniture going to cost? And they're like, no, I'm there. But I always think that. So then they always ask me that. It's almost like, this is why I feel like as soon as you allow yourself to believe something, then things change. It's like confirmation bias starts to happen when you think a certain thing, but um, you're going to potentially attract clients who like want something really, really fast, or they want something really, really cheap, or they, whatever, I don't know, like insert or really like well-designed and, but you don't, then they don't have a good personality. So it's like, I feel like I, when I, I'm presented with a project. It's like a series of tick check boxes. It's like, okay, the client's batshit crazy. And that's not the kind of crazy I can deal with. Okay. That box has not been personality, not ticked. Uh, their budget's really freaking healthy though. Okay. We're going to tick that budget. Their, their timing is really realistic. Okay. Check. They want quality furniture. Check. I can get it from trade. Um, they seem really difficult to please. Like, is that box checked? Uh, and it's like, if the right boxes are checked, like maybe I can work with a personality I'm not excited about, or maybe the budget isn't there, but they're still willing to pay me like for the time that I know it's going to take, but they don't want to spend a lot of money. But I love this client. They were so amazing in the consultation and I feel like I want to help them. So, or like you said, okay, you know, like I feel like, I think this project's amazing. I'm so inspired. This is going to be incredible, but maybe some of the other boxes aren't fully ticked. And it's like, if none of the boxes are ticked, run like hell, right? So it's like, you have to put weight on each of these boxes for yourself and like decide, okay, do I, am I the type of designer that wants to do e-design? Yes or no? Maybe you don't know. Maybe you do. She, she, Only during COVID, no other time ever. Exactly. And that's great. So you're not going to accept a project less than whatever, because you know that it takes X number of hours to design a room. So if a client comes to you, you have like a minimum point of it. Like you just need to know what that is for you. Like everybody's different in what that looks like, but it's, is it aligned with, with you and being able to be excited to work on it, being able to like what you're doing, whatever, 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 be inspired, like whatever's important to you being inspired, mm-hmm. making money, like what are the most important pieces for you that you hopefully have thought about? Like, what would my perfect business look like? Kind of thing. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like having like, it's almost like you have a client profile. You don't just get your, their address and their email, but like you kind of, you know, have a little checklist for them as well. Cause I think the relationship has to go both ways, right? Like you don't want to just accept everyone. Cause totally. Like I had a client who started out I was like, talked to her on the phone. I was like, so excited. This house is amazing. And she bought this house on her own. I'm like, she's got to have some money. She lives like, it was in Roncesvalle. And I was like, she must have some money. And consult, I met with her. I went, I did not follow my process. And, you know, I, which now I know that's not how I work. Like I have a process that I work. And anytime I, I stray from that, it's a disaster. I just met with her to have like a, you know, chat in a coffee shop. She wanted to understand. And it just, Every time I met with her, it was like, okay, that box is no longer checked. Then she was like, I don't think I want, the way she wanted to do her living room, I was like, this goes in my head. I'm like, this, that's, no, like, I'm not going to put all the furniture in the perimeter of the room. 
Like I, I can't feel, and then you have friends come here and think I, Michelle Bennett designed this. So I was like, Oh God, she wants it. And then I was like, you know what? It's going to be an easy part. And then it just started to be like, no boxes were no longer ticked. And I was like, I had to tell her like, I can't work with you basically. And I feel like I dodged a bullet. It's like, as soon as I start to feel like not good, like get out, get out. I actually did that. Like a, a past client of mine who were like really good friends with now um, from my old firm. Um, she recommended me to her colleague and they're cops detectives. So I was like, okay, nice. <laughs> like healthy budget. Um, and it was a, like, I got, as soon as I went there, I went to like one consultation and they were kind of okay. And then I had to go back a second time because they were so chatty. I didn't want to measure the first time because it was pretty late. And of course I was doing this all after, after hours, yeah. right? Um, and then they were just like, well, my husband can, husband can make that. He can do this. We can stain this. And all of it was going to be this like homemade wood, like hand, like hand scraped. Yeah. And like, I was like, I don't, I, like, I just got a horrible feeling. So I actually just let them know like timing wasn't good and I couldn't work. I couldn't help them anymore because yeah. like, no matter what I was like, even painting, it was just like, well, we can just use this can we have in the basement. I'm like, I, why am just, I here yeah and it's like you go there twice and you're like oh and then I just didn't charge walked away like just yeah. so it's kind of good like I I can recognize that vibe totally for, sure. for me like what I because a pain point for me is when I feel like I'm with a client who is not open to my ideas and like they they're just like no people who say no to everything I don't want to work with people like that so like, and I have just acknowledged that for myself. Like, that's, I don't like that. And so in my consultations now, I just do a lot of like, when I'm, when I have ideas, I show them on Pinterest and I'm waiting. I want to see how they respond to my ideas. If it's like excitement and they're loving a lot of what, like, they don't have to love everything, but I want to see excitement and that they feel like I'm, I feel like I'm offering them something they hadn't thought about versus like, no, I don't love that. And then you shot, no, I don't love that. It's like, well, I mean, we're not aligned, right? Like, could I get there? Maybe, but like, I feel like I want to work with people I feel aligned with that I'm like, Michelle Bennett is bringing you her aesthetic that like aligns like to what you need. But otherwise it's pulling teeth. It's a lot easier to work with somebody who you feel aligned with. For me, some people like that kind of challenge. Like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't like confrontation. I don't like, like things to be difficult like that I think it's hard enough for me to to not have to deal with that so I know because sometimes it makes you feel like it actually makes you second guess yourself you're like yeah you know or like being like well I already knew that or I thought of that or it's like oh my god like am I doing so like am I not creative enough am I not meant to like they just make you they get in your head and yeah and like some people are good with that like they have tough thick skin but I just I know myself enough to know that like that just puts me in a really bad headspace it's not good for me I want people to be like you are awesome and I love your ideas yeah and I want like I need people to stroke my ego that's who I need <laughs> uh, what else? do you have any other questions the last one basically I think like this has been very helpful thank you so much um I know like again I think it was May I think it was like episode 45 I think that was May 2018 I don't know where I'm at who knows yeah but um was I doing that in 2018 damn oh okay sorry it was Sorry, May 2019. Sorry. Oh, okay. I was like, really? I've been doing it that long? Which so was now I'm in October 2019. But the, I remember the time of like around May to June. And you kind of, um, 
you talked about just like being in a place where like you were slower than you thought, especially after having like amazing, like first year and a half or whatever. Um, and it's, and it's inevitable that like a business is going to have highs and lows. Um, like I'm sure right now, a lot of businesses are a little quieter. I'm experiencing that. Yeah. Yeah. And like the process of like in the process of like entrepreneurship, like how do you keep that consistent or how do you overcome kind of those setbacks? Um, like, do you just take the break and grace it as like, okay, maybe I do need a little time to myself now, or do you go, Oh my God, I don't have clients. Like I gotta like, yeah, I don't know how to formally phrase that, but just like, how do you kind of overcome those low highs and lows and that kind of thing? Uh, I don't, I don't have like a magic answer for this, but I feel like, I think this is like why, and I'm guilty of this and I'm trying to work on it. Why we all have to be always actively going after business. So like building an email list, um, you know, being present on social media, uh, you know, whatever that looks like, you know, um, and never, and never allowing yourself to be like, okay, it's easy right now. And not, and not doing any of that. That's one. Um, Two, I think you, the way I approach that is like, I just focus on my processes, improving my messaging. Um, Like right now, for example, I'm just trying, you know, I'm working with uh, this new coach and I'm just trying to review kind of like tighten up what my differentiating factor is, tighten up my sales process because for me, that's a really tough part. And I know that if I, at the end of the day, if I can, if I know how to approach an, a lead and get it right, then that's clients for me versus like, yeah, I also want my process with my clients to be really good. But if I have to pick and prioritize, I need to make sure I'm getting clients. So looking at what that looks like. Um, and, and I just remain optimistic. Like I, it's hard but I think that anytime, and I've, I'm, I've done it, anytime that I'm fixated on there's no money coming in the bank, like as soon as I keep doing that, it inevitably happens. It's like, right. I've, and I've caught myself doing this and then I read a book, like a marketing book. It was somebody I had on my podcast and in the book it talked about that and I was like, okay, well, I've been doing that. I've been fixated on like, oh my God, no money, no money, no money coming in, whatever. And I really tried to actively reframe that and not think that way. And I started to see shifts. So it's, it's really, I think, trying to stay in the right mind space, mindset, headspace, and making sure that you stay optimistic, you stay like doing what you need to do, trying new things. Like if you have an email list, send something out. And just because nothing happens out of it, that doesn't mean you stop like, okay, well, come up with, you just got to start to get creative. Like, how am I going to make money in my business so that I am paying my bills or paying my overhead or whatever it is. And sometimes those times, sometimes the downtime can really allow you to kind of reflect too. So like for right now, COVID has been like tough on my business and it's, allowed me to like stop it's given me permission to like stop putting pressure on myself and think about you know what it is I want what is my like why would somebody want to work with me like I need to be clear on that because if I'm not clear on why somebody should pick me over someone else then they're not going to pick me over someone else Mm -hmm. 
So I don't have the silver bullet answer to that, but that's kind of just how I approach it. And I've had ups and downs and it's scary. It's scary. And, and sometimes like for me, I felt like I got a little, potentially a little bit ahead of myself in that what I decided I was going to like my first year, I was like, yeah, I'll work with you. Yeah, I'll work with you. But what happened was like, it, I, I just got so overwhelmed in my anxiety, my anxiety, like I wasn't sleeping as well. And that's really not good for me. So when I started to go like, okay, that was amazing. And now I'm just going to say, this is what, this is how it's going to be. And this is how I'm going to work with clients. And I feel like maybe I could have been a little bit more flexible for the right clients or whatever. Right. Yeah. And like, where did you find these clients? Like, I know they're like, I know, like you said, the email and the blog and that you all naturally so, get yeah. in the local area. Like, yeah. So when I first started now, I don't suggest this, like, I, I think this is a great strategy for a brand new designer who like is totally green and doesn't know anything. Um, but I, I suspect this is not the type of client you'd want. But the way I started was I just joined local Facebook groups, like neighborhood Facebook groups, like the Danforth, Leslieville, the beaches. And then I read the rules. Now this was four years ago. So maybe Facebook groups have tightened up how they allow businesses to promote, but each Facebook group would say like, okay, you can, pro you can promote your business on Mondays or once a week or some Facebook groups didn't say anything or once a month. And then I would just set a schedule um, for myself to post something in there, leading them to my website. The first time I did that, like I was like, okay, I launched my business. And then I went into a Facebook group. I posted about like whatever. And I got, I'm not even shitting you. 10 minutes later, I got my first paint consultation, which I do not do anymore. Freaking hate my paint. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but oh, let's do this. Um, but, and, and that's honestly like, so then I got a client out of there and then that client that I worked with and they were all kind of like very low budget, like, yes. you know, and also I was grossly undercharging, which made it super easy to get people to work with me, <laughs> but you know, whatever, live and learn, but it gave me the confidence to, you know, build from there. But then that person kind of referred the next person. And that's what's, I think too, you got to be careful about like undercharging because what happens is you want, all you need is like one great project mm -hmm. where that person, if you do an amazing job, that person can tell because people hang out with like people. So if you get, you don't, you don't want to start doing low budget projects because they're going to refer you to probably low budget friends. Yeah. They did this with $2,000 in my space. Yeah. Or even, and even if they don't say that, it's just, People hang out with people in the same, like a lot of the time, not always, but a lot of the times you're all in the similar, like, you know, we're making the same ish amount of money, you know? So you want to figure out like for you, you could try to think about how do I get into like, think of where you might want to get a client. Like what type of client do you want? High luxury client, not low budget. Like what is it that you want? And then start brainstorming three ways to get in front of them. So, you know, it could be a Facebook group. Like I know a lot of designers are in mom groups, which I don't have kids, but it seems like a real good place to be for stuff like that. Like, you, on your yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hey friend, I need to borrow your baby for a second. <laughs> but, but what I could see you doing is um, instead like joining, if you're starting a business, 
like, I mean, if you have, when you start a business, you join like an entrepreneurial Facebook group. So, you know, like you're entitled to be in there and not everybody in there is a designer. And then you just engage and then people start to get to know what you do. And then like a local one. So stuff like that, just like getting creative about how you can get in front of the type of client you want. Um, and in an authentic way, uh, so that you don't start and have to go the uphill battle of trying to get the type of budget you want. Like you can get there. Like I'm still, I'm still very much working through attracting clients with the right budget. Like I'm, I'm definitely still struggling with that. Like my first year, I just worked with a lot of lower budget clients and I did a I worked with a lot of people that first year and I mean, I made a lot of money, but I worked my ass off and that's, I don't want to work that much. <laughs> like, and those, be, like during, that working, time, you that? Didn't, during that time, like you didn't do furniture. So that like your success was all straight design fees. Yeah, pretty much. I'd have to go back, but yeah, pretty much. Cause I really did not do furniture the first year. I don't think at all. Yeah. And like, I, after that, oh, well, what happened was it was fine in the first year, but for me, it was like, I would like, you start to go, like when I started, I'm like, yeah, an Ikea frame is cool. It's fine. I use it in my own house. Now I'm like, no, it's not acceptable. That is not good enough. Like I can, I can see the difference, which is like, the more I did it, the more I was like cheap versus like, you know, that looks cheap. And I'm not excited about that. And that's, again, that's just for me. Like I, just started to go like I am not excited about trying to furnish a room for five thousand dollars yeah they don't even use glass on their frames anymore it's like flexi I know yeah because my friend I was like oh go get these frames like she was just asking me for her nursery and then I actually picked them up for her because she doesn't live near Ikea and then I was like ew they don't even have glass and she's like well that's probably better because what if it like falls on my baby's head yes and I feel like that was a big reason why they did it but also probably cost because like the bigger the frame like it was I I had a frame from college that had glass in it it was like one of these big ones like this and I had it for the longest time I ended up getting rid of it but I actually owned like a big Ikea frame the ribbo frame with like legit glass I have two that are like my, they're like both glass. I'm like, I'm never getting rid of these two because they're the only ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's funny too. Like one thing, like, uh, one of the things too, I, I took away from the course I just did was clients work with you the way you tell them to work with you. So if you tell them they can, I, I stopped telling people that I can do a room that's less than what I'm willing to do a room for that. I feel like I can walk away with my head held high. Can it be done for less than that? Yeah, on your own, you know? So like, I know what my number is. I want to walk away from every project with my head held high. And that for me comes at, I know how many hours that takes me. And I'm not, I'm not fast, I'm slow. I'm very like, I look at everything, like I'm, I'm not fast. And I know what it costs. And to me, all of the styling is like almost the most important part. And I feel like I don't, I do not want to style your services on a home sense budget because I think it looks cheap. Sorry, I'm an asshole, but I just, anytime I buy stuff from home. So it's like, I just know that now. And it's like, this is what it is. And the client has, you know, the power to decide whether or not they want that or not. Yeah. And I find that too, like the more, 
the more like immersed you are, like we did a few upgrades to our house and it's like, there's no way I was going to get a Home Depot faucet. Like I was going to Ginger's and I was going to get my faucet. Like yeah. I'll take advantage of my discount and that's what it's going to be. Like, okay, I got like a penny round backslash, but like I was not budging on, you know, the quality yeah. that I wanted. So exactly. I think having that in your mind, like that will maybe be helpful for the, the type of clients. Absolutely. And it's, it's, you, clients are going to work with you the way you tell them that you work. Mm-hmm. They I don't like know that. what they don't know. And this is, this is how I work. And, and a lot of them there's, you say like, Oh, I just had a call with a client today about their backyard. And like, we don't usually do that, but we help plan sometimes because it's an extension yep. from the inside. And I said, what, what do you think your budget was, would be? And then I could align like one of our landscapers with you. And they said, I, I don't even know what it would cost. So it's true. Like a lot of the times they just have no idea. So you could tell them, oh, that dining room is going to be $30,000. And they'd be like, oh, okay. Like they just, they're not, they don't know what things cost, especially with rugs. Like people think they're like 20 bucks. The way I say to clients is like, the budget I'm giving you, it, like, could it be less potentially, but I, I need to set myself up for success. And I'm not going to tell you I can find something at a price that I'm not convinced I can. If I do, and it works well, then I will. But I need to manage your expectations. And I never want to come back and say, like, I couldn't do it. And then ask you for more money. You know, I'm going to be realistic on what it takes to create a room designed by, created by a designer. Yeah. And they're, they're, in their mind, they're looking at like this magazine saying like, I want that level. So if you want that level, like this is what it's going to take. Exactly. I think that's the biggest thing that I took away like last week was just, oh, this was something she said, which I really liked. Um, It's not like a, it's not like a universe, a fact of the universe that people want discounts or people want things to be cheap. Like those are just stories we're telling ourselves. Like you know what you're worth and People will either see that and hopefully you'll be able to communicate that. And some people will want discounts, but hire, like I have a client right now um, that they, they keep saying like, oh, that's a lot. Like and they, they, this is like the most high-end client I've had, but they still talk about budget, right? And then when I say things like, oh, you picked that one. That's so great. That was actually the cheapest one. But now I'm starting to realize like my language is important. And they're like, oh, well, I don't know if I like that one then. And they're not snobs by any means, but they appreciate quality. So that, that was like a really interesting thing too, which was like, some people really don't want to spend a really cheap amount of money on a designer. And you could, trying to be uh, competitive can also backfire because people are going to go like, why is she so cheap? Mm -hmm. It's not be very good, you know? That's what I would think. So they're a little bit older, the owners, and they used to like smack our hands. They're like, "You don't say the word cheap. You say inexpensive." So now in my head, every time I'm about to say cheap, I'm like, it's "Yeah, I know." It's so funny. I realize like you have to really read clients and understand what makes them tick. Like with this client, I realized that they say they want things to be more affordable, but at the same time, they don't. They want- and they want it's them. almost like they want the option, but then they're not going to pick the most affordable one anyway. They want, they just want the value and they want to know like that the money's being well spent, you know, on certain things. But so it's like getting to know the clients and what is important to them and, and being able to communicate that effectively, like realizing that saying what I realized, I walked away from that meeting going like, I just realized a year and a half in <laughs> that 
that was the worst thing I could have said to them was like, oh, amazing. That was, like you picked the cheapest one. Like, like that was actually like nails on a chalkboard. Could have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was one. I, I just, it was like an aha for me, but. Nice. That's, uh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you anything else for me? I mean, that was awesome. Like I, I just have to wrap it around. I just have to get the confidence. It's so funny. Like I'm a pretty outgoing, confident person, like in a, in a group. But when it's something, I think you hit the nail on the head when it's like your ego on the line and like your, you know, your family and friends like are watching you and depend, your family's depending on you for this big move. It's like, I don't know. It's just like, it's that obviously that little hesitation, but I mean, yeah. like, any t- there's no good time just like having a baby. There's no like yeah. best time to have a baby, if ever. <laughs> well, there's no good time to have a baby in my opinion. <laughs> so I'm just not gonna, but, um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I just think it's like building that confidence and knowing knowing my worth and knowing that like there's things that I can bring to the table that are so good and like so valuable from all my experiences it's just like I know I can do it I just yeah I also am like so happy and comfortable having someone else bring the leads and me just working on them so it's just finding that yeah and you might realize like running a bit because the thing with running a business I, I know you said you um uh, you, you're friends with Natalie, right? Mm-hmm. Natalie Chong. And, um, I'm saying that for the listeners, like you knew who I was talking about, but, <laughs> but, um, I'm sure she's, you talked to her about this a little bit too, but like running a design business, especially when you're solo, like 20% of it is design work. Yeah, exactly. It's so much like managing clients is so hard managing, being the one responsible for managing trades, um, create, you know, updating your website, making sure you're getting clients, uh, nurturing your leads so that they don't, you, you know, just cause somebody didn't reply doesn't mean you never talk to them again. Like making sure that like there's so many things and it isn't for everybody. Like it's not some people, it is better to just go home, go to work, do the commute in my Tesla, ride that commuter, the HOV lane or whatever it's called and go home and not think about it again. Like, and you might realize that's better for you too, which is totally fine. But you were saying too, about your friends, like I, I did not post on my Facebook for probably like three months. I was so scared to like, I just, this, like, this is my own shit. Like I keep saying, but it's, I was so scared to say it because I was just felt like I was going to be judged, but most people don't give a shit, but you might notice that once you do it, people are going to be, they are going to respond very weird, depending on the type of friends you hang out with. If most people work for corporate, yeah, well, and people are just like, they, it gets weird. Some, with certain friends, it gets weird. And like, when, when you start to have success, some people just don't acknowledge it. They never want to bring it up. And you start to see like, you, you could outgrow people. because Mm -hmm. It's like a different, Corporate versus like, which, you know, working for somebody else versus your own business. It's like, it's almost like you're in a, you're speaking a different language, but it's a language you never can speak with your friends because they don't get it. It's like mm-hmm. entrepreneurs start reading the same books and you talk about mindset and you talk about, you know, like how to like, you know, getting up early in the morning to get things like you just, it's like a different way of like, going around like your life and living yes and you start to really get I don't know this is me anyway you start to really really get about it and then but then you know it's weird communicating that with people 
or when you start to see a lot of success, like you start to get weird and you don't want I, again, like, I don't know if that's just me, but sometimes like you feel weird talking about it. Cause like you feel bad or guilty or, you know, it's like, it creates this weird dynamic sometimes. And then you have some friends who are just so amazing and supportive. And you're like, that's like the kind of people I want in my life. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, sorry, can I jump back and ask one question? Yeah. It's a good place to end, but I had one more. Um, do you turn off? Like, are you like 5 p.m., 6 p.m.? No. Or do you go till midnight and your husband's like, get off your phone? Uh, no, I never turn off. I'm pretty much, and I was talking about, but that's me. That's my personality. Um, I was talking to Dave about this. I was like, I don't really have any hobbies. <laughs> like, I work out and I don't have hobbies but I've never really had any hobbies it's just a weird thing of me but I I I'm like I like I get amped up improving my business processes but that's not everybody mm-hmm. oh you know what you should do if you're willing to invest like $97 American um it's called wealth dynamics which I just recently learned about and it helps you I, it's for people like who run businesses it's understanding the type of person that you are and what your strengths are and how you should think about building a business to ensure that that's it's freaking enlightening, man. It is riveting. I was mind blown when I found out what mine was, which was what I wasn't expecting, but it made so much sense. And what I, I'm a mechanic is what, so it's kind of like you're a creator or you're a, mechanic or you're a star or you're this and it's just things that you're really good at or not good at and it just really helps you identify like what you should lead with and it's like create basically like we won't get into that but anyways I was talking to Dave about like I literally work all day and then at night I work but I'm just like maybe I'm updating my website or on the weekend I'm, I'm improving my processes or I'm cleaning up my email or like I literally always <laughs> and or I'm making contact or content or I make videos or, but I love it. Like, I love it. It makes me, I get excited to wake up and do it. And it gives me like peace knowing that things are running smoothly. Like my system, like that just makes me able to sleep at night. But I said to Dave, like, cause he always says like, well, maybe like you work too much or you're doing too much. I'm like, but I enjoy it. Like, I like it. I'm obsessed with it. I'm excited to go to bed at night. Cause I'm like, I get to get up and like, go do whatever. And I mean, it's not always like that, but, but also not everybody is like that either. It's just, it depends, but I don't turn it off. I, what I do though, is I don't, I try to avoid email. I won't reply to emails on off hours. I also do not communicate with clients over text. I can't, I cannot get a text from a client at 8 PM and not rage internally. So I, I, again, you build like some people are okay with that, but I just, I make my business be the way I need to be to be feeling good. And so like, do you do meetings like nine to five or will you do those after hours too? Cause I find like some clients, like some where obviously Oakville, the wives don't work a lot of the time so they can meet you whenever, but then like some, like I have two where they're both doctors and like, it's very hard to get them in between kind of eight and five. Yeah. So I won't be available any time of the night. So I say like, yes, I can be available. Like some people have a, like, no, this is a business nine to five. And I think again, it's, this is a, there's not a right or a wrong. There's a, are you happy to do it? Or do you feel resentful? And if you feel resentful, then maybe that's not something you do. For me, I'm kind of like for the right client, 
Mm-hmm. I'm not going to turn away a doctor who could be an amazing client because they want to meet at seven o'clock at night. But I'm also going to say like, yeah, I could meet on a weekend or I could meet like I, it's rare that I would do that, but it's just a lot more limited. So tell me when, and I'll see if I'm available, but it just means like, I'm not gonna be able to do it tomorrow maybe, or whatever kind of thing. Yeah. That's the way I approach it. And you know, for now, like, I think it's like, you can make decisions on your business like that too, based on like supply and demand. If you are like coming, if you have projects and you're thriving and you don't want to do that at night, well, don't do it because you've got a million projects coming at you anyways. It doesn't, you can say no to that. And it could yeah. be a way to just weed, you know, the wrong client out for you. But if you're starting out, like you, as long as you feel good about what you're doing and it doesn't yeah. you know, impact your like family life or whatever, then I don't see why I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that kind of thing for the right client. If I got good vibes on the phone. Mm-hmm, yeah. And also the amount of times I meet with a client, like it's not like I'm meeting with them all the time. Like when I know that, okay, this client really has to meet after six, but I mean, I'm, I'm meeting you maybe four times. Like it's not like an every week thing, right? I can handle that. Yeah. And you I think know? too, like, we're in the same boat, like no kids. So like we're a little more flexible. Yeah. I just want to make sure that I'm able to balance. Like I already scroll like Instagram for like two hours because there's nothing to do during COVID with no kids. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I'll be like, oh my God, it's Saturday. And I just literally spent two hours scrolling Instagram. So I don't want to get in that habit, but I do want to be, you know, someone who's available and, you know, so, still- I mean, that doesn't impact me too much. Like, I mean, I don't feel like there's so many comments coming in or DMS coming in or whatever, that that's like a huge burden. I don't do a lot of that anyways. Like I, I struggle with like having to be super responsive and like with a podcast, I get DM, like other DMs too about that. And I just respond when I'm ready. Cause a lot of them go into my other and I'm like, I'm just not mentally ready to respond to this right now. So I'll respond to it later or whatever that looks like. But um, for me, it's not Instagram like work that I do a lot of. Mm-hmm. That's not what has me scrolling or whatever, but for some people it might be, yeah. which is probably good. They're probably getting a great following. <laughs> yeah. All right, lady. Well, I'm going to go pour myself a glass of wine, I think. Yeah, it's about that time to transition. It's wine o'clock. Yeah, we don't got kids. (laughs) Well, I was going to say you can tell people where to follow you, but you don't have a website yet. And we don't have an Instagram. Is your Instagram one you want people to come find you at? Sure. I mean, it's not very professional, but it's still fun. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, tell people where they can follow you for that. And then you'll tell everybody where to go find you on your new Instagram anyways. So... Yeah, so my current Instagram, which is a mix of kind of lifestyle, vegan design, and my dog, of course, um, is E Sharp Junior, and that's the handle. And yeah, that's pretty much. I just hang out on there. Okay, thank I, you. I appreciate your time so much. Yeah, no problem. Talk to you soon. Bye. So I recorded that way at the beginning of COVID long time ago was sitting on that one for a while. So I reached out to Erica to check in to see kind of what progress she had made, what was going on, if you know, she had taken the leap. And she got back to me and she actually told me that after chatting with her husband and given the current situation, she felt like staying where she was, was the best idea for her and that she would actually approach her employer uh, with the idea of maybe a promotion director of interior design. So That's what she did, and she got the promotion, 
And I think that's so freaking awesome. I was reading the letter. I'm not going to read it because it's not my place to do that. But I just was so impressed by how articulate she was and how confident and just go that she went after what she she felt she deserved and what she thought was a really great next step. And I think that's amazing. I, you know, I, after editing the podcast, it's funny because I talk a lot about the biographical design collective in the podcast, which was kind of funny because again, it was, this was recorded, I guess, back in May. I think that was when, I don't know, I have no idea, beginning of COVID. Um, and I had just done the course and there are so many nuggets in here where I'm referencing a lot of the advice that Katie gave us in that three-day immersion course, which by the way, hit up biographicaldesign.com to learn more about that. But, um, but I think it was amazing that she listened to her intuition, she listened to herself, and she just made the right choice that was in alignment for her. And I think that that's a really important lesson for us all. So guys, I, on the last podcast, I requested and I asked for some reviews. Apple podcast is weird because you only see reviews based on the country you're in. And I was, it automatically shows me Canadian reviews, which there are 41. Exciting, but it gets more exciting. Um, and I, there was no new Canadian reviews. So uh, shout out fellow Canadians. If you're listening and you haven't left a review, please leave one because I will read it on the pod. So then I decided to go figure out where the American reviews were, and there are a bunch of new reviews since COVID. So I'm going to read one of them, and I'm going to keep reading a new one every episode. And I'm just so freaking excited, by the way, on the U.S. podcast review section, there's 81. Um, I'm going to read one from June 9th of this year. And it's from DJB1218. Hopefully you know who you are. And if you know who you are, DM me and I will shout you out on the next episode. Anyways, this is the review. Five stars. Thank you. DJB1218. Addicted is the title. I'm almost glad I didn't find this podcast pre-quarantine because then I would not have been able to binge it during this time. Michelle is relatable and I'm learning all the things. Thanks for the transparency. Uh, Thank you, DJB1218, for this amazing review. Oh, P.S. I also meant to give you an update that Erica, pretty much immediately after we chatted, she emailed me a link to her new Instagram and her new blog called Anthology. So her Instagram is anthology.interiordesign.blog and you can actually go to a link to her blog and see what she's reading about, uh, not reading about, see what she's writing about and see her point of view. Okay, that's all I got. My food just arrived. Dave just yelled at me. I will see you guys next week. Bye. me or emailed me with a link to her new Instagram for her blog. Dave, hold on. I'm finishing a recording here.